Welcome to Vets Talk. This is Kevin Horgan, co-founder, along with Charlie Scott, of our free and open venture to bring veterans into the limelight through stories, biographies, subject matter expert interviews, leadership lessons, and sometimes ranting and raving and howling at the moon. Now, Vets Talk is a collaboration with Zach Knight and Knightley Productions and Vetlanta, a team that networks with transitioning veterans to make the Atlanta area the first choice of locations to settle in, to live, work, play, and pray, and maybe raise a family to stay connected to our tribe, the veteran community. Hi, everybody. Kevin Horgan here with Vets Talk. Our guest today is Tony Maine. He is the CEO of Rangers for Life. He's a very serious uh, retired Army officer uh, who's been downrange, and, and he has a lot to say. And I just want to, Tony, I'll turn it over to you. Tell us about yourself. Hey, Kevin, th thank you for that. And uh, my wife would uh, concur. I'm probably a little bit more serious than I need to be. Um, but it kind of comes with the territory. I, I was blessed to serve 20 years in the army, nine of those years in the 75th Ranger Regiment here in Fort Benning, Georgia, where I'm coming to you from today at the Ranger Outreach Center. Um, I total of 13 years in special operations and really loved the, the family environment that the army provided me. And because of that, wanted to continue to serve, wanted to continue to, to give back and, we were blessed. We, we, we decided in 2017, we're actually going to go back when we retire, right? At Fort Benning, going to retire out of Tampa. But when we retired, we were going to come back and lead the military ministry at our church. And, and that was, that was our transition decision, right? So we, we made location and, and kind of what we wanted to do in our free time, a priority and everything else that's happened with Ranger for Life, Gallant Few, our relationship in the community, the growth of the military ministry, all based on that kind of singular um, decision. That's awesome. That really is. I want I want to get there, but I want to talk about your personal journey first, if we can. Um, when did you decide to join the Army? And why would you become a Ranger and jump out of perfectly good airplanes? I love What's it. Yeah, the, the perfectly good airplanes. So the military is always a, a part of, of my fabric. I am a reader. I love history, right? So most of the books that you, when you read a lot about American history, the revolution, you look at the foundation of our country, there's generally conflicts um, that arise different, either um, governmental or social changes. So when I, when I look at leaders who are my heroes growing up, it's George Washington, right? It's, it's Abraham Lincoln. It's, it's people with a, a civic consciousness, a social consciousness, uh, who all served, right? So that growing up service became a thing. And my parents wouldn't sign for me to go into the Marine Corps early. Uh, they said, give this college thing a chance, um, us hoping really that the military and after you know college, good job, I wouldn't want to do it. So um, a semester before graduating from the Ohio State University, I started going back around to all the recruiters. I, I opened up my search again. And based on where I was at in my life, I figured I could do about three years anywhere. So three to four years anywhere. What did I want to do? And I had to look between, you know, the current recruiting slogans of join the military for a civilian job or when I joined, be all you could be. So when I looked at the different services, um, it wasn't about 
you know, I thought I was going to go to law school someday, but I didn't try to become a paralegal. I wanted something that was hard. And the army recruiter did the best job and had a ready-made VHS tape, right? With B Arranger, a, a, uh, a HUA video. And I was like, I could try this. I could try this. And, and I graduated from college without a computer. I would go to the computer lab. So I had a Smith Corona typewriter. So my research into what I was joining was an inch deep. I grew up a Braves fan and I thought I was going to go to Fort Benning, become a Ranger. And in my off time, I'd go up and see the Braves and be in this army thing. I had no idea that I was signing the contract for the 75th Ranger Regiment, that it was a part of U.S. Special Operations Command, dual reporting authorities, you know, I, I, none of that. Like there was a lot of ignorance. I, I don't think as many people enlist with the amount of ignorance that I had. Yeah. I just wanted to do something hard and then I would go back and go to law school. Right. Wow. Now, wow. perfectly good airplanes. I have a fear of heights. <laughs> I have a deathly fear of heights, but I knew I didn't know that much about the military other than my reading. Don't I didn't have a lot of family members who served in the military. Great grandfather in World War Two never talked about it. But I did know that you had to do what they told you. So I figured I'd probably if I got in the airplane, I'd get out of it. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. All right, that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, you went in as uh, now you were an NCO before you uh, became an officer, right? Yeah, or or as we like to say down here, before I quit, um, <laughs> before I got the lobotomy, before I became a trader. So <laughs> very, very much so. So I, I mean, I made it to a staff sergeant in about four and a half years, which was wow. doable. Um, you know, the, the in the Ranger Regiment, there's an expectation of leadership or an expectation that you'll be leading. So I had the opportunity to complete Ranger School about six months after earning assignment to Third Ranger Battalion. Wow. So now, within a couple of years in the Army, you've got a you've got a Ranger tab. Um, you have you're getting ready to take over a fire team, and so I became an NCO very early. And in fact, the school to become an NCO, um, Primary Leaders Development Course, now I believe called uh, Warrior Leaders Course, that first uh, E5 Sergeant School. That's when 9/11 happened when mm. I was actually at that course, uh, down, down, down. In yeah. Florida. That was, my, that was my next question. Tell us about that time, uh, in your service. Wow. So the, the regiment has a readiness posture where we're pretty much ready to go to a lot of places in a short period of time. And at that time, my battalion was one of those was, it was kind of like on, on the chopping block. So no crap. There I was right with, with my, uh, with my class getting a block of instruction on preventative maintenance for military vehicles, which is very important. Um, however, uh, we had a Sergeant First Class come in. Uh, I think he was our, our, our cadre leader and said, there's been a plane that's hit the World Trade Centers. We need to know if any of you have family um, in, in a New York City area, if this affects you. And about 20 some minutes later, comes in again, we believe the nation's under attack. So for a lot of people, there's some shock, but for the other three Rangers in the room, there was this fear, right? Because you, you internalize things. There was this fear that we were gonna miss the nation's response to the global, what becomes the global war on terror. Right, right. And, and so we do exactly what we're not supposed to do, exactly what we're not trained to do, 
and went to the pay phone. I did not say cell phones. We did not have them yet. We went to the pay phones and we call CQ and like, do we need to come, come back? This is Sergeant Maine. Do I need to come back? Because of course I'm the one who's going to help, you know, and, and then of course, of course. And, and, and we were told immediately get off this line right now. It's an inappropriate call. Right. Crazy. So yeah. we spend the next couple of weeks just wondering what's going on. Um, we graduate and my squad leader, um, and I'm one of his fire team leaders, my squad leaders there in the back with the Kevlar because we used to wear Kevlar <laughs> and, and an LCE. And we go from that graduation ceremony straight out to Decker Strip here on beautiful Fort Benning and do the rehearsal mission for what would become the jump into Rhino a few weeks later. Wow. So, I mean, wow. So right place, right time, yeah. not becoming a paralegal, not taking the easy <laughs> job, trying something. Right. I mean, when you look at what I was able, you know, you know, what have I accomplished in my career? Like there's a good Lord above because it is, yeah. it is, it's, it's nothing that, that, that I could of my own put together. It's all those great leaders uh, around and. That yeah, was sure. I, uh, you know, question, question i want to ask you about horse soldiers here in just a second and i'm uh, I, I guess those are those were kindred spirits right um so uh when you got to afghanistan right all right um was it all about the horse soldiers was it about that uh, was that a disney-fied um uh book on what had happened um were, were you part of that echelon so were we now not not that formation so the horse soldiers Right, the same night, night, October nineteenth, the horse soldiers started and began their mission for the link up with the Northern Alliance. Right, mm -hmm. Northern Alliance to fight the Taliban, kind of north, north to south or north to middle. Right, mm -hmm. our mission within the Ranger Regiment was a very quick period of darkness, nighttime uh, combat assault, um, airborne operation onto objective Rhino in Kandahar. So from the okay. south now, simultaneously, as that was going on, um, there were some other special operations missions in Kandahar um, being supported at that time. But when we look at the Ranger initial uh, involvement, it was really limited for the first couple months to that operation from what the line battalion Okay. Um, third ranger battalion actually did we had other people doing operations uh, within our formation but in terms of large scale that was kind of it for the ranger regiment um however you would have you had the horse soldiers who stayed and fought for a long period of time and helped right. develop and maintain the relationships leading to the uh toppling of the taliban later and then the formation right. of the new sure government. sure and about uh and plus or minus a couple uh degrees uh, mm -hmm. about 75 percent of the warlords and the really bad bad people in afghanistan were killed in the first three four months of the operation a uh, highly successful yeah highly successful you know, we're very good we've always remained very good at military operations right Civil military operations, however, right. and working with the Department of State is I don't know if we had a, would have enough time um, right. for, for, right. for a podcast or a hundred to discuss those things. But when it right. 
and, and, and that's that's what you can control as a soldier too, right? You know, mm-hmm. what can you control? And I've always taken a lot of pride and, and tried to relay that to the people I served with of our operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. When we were asked to do military operations, I mean, yeah. Yeah. In, in the special operations community, Second nearly flawless. In the conventional right. forces, a, a measure of success unseen in modern warfare right and sometimes sometimes it it, it really saddens me i don't think not that we need to take the credit because it's not about pride but there has to be a reality of the situation when it's a gun on gun fight we do extremely well right we should should have some humility and and a little bit of confidence in that right I, i i suspect there is not an enemy on earth that wants to get in a one-on-one shooting match with the United States armed services under any circumstances. It would be, it'd be um, one I, of the worst decisions they've decided to make. That's right. I, I do want to say one thing, if I may, um, thanks for coming back. Thank you for surviving. And thank you for what you're doing for uh, your fellow veterans who have been tr- transitioning out some really choppy. Um, so I want to ask you about that. I want to get to uh, what your, um, not your specific transition, unless it's germane, but what you provide to those people who are transitioning, uh, regardless of whether they serve for three or 30 years. And uh, and about, I want to know more about the spirituality of it. I think that's very, very compelling and, and it's often overlooked in so much of discourse. Kevin, thank, thank you for that. And let, let's just go straight to that first, because that, that will okay. be the most important thing that I will ever talk about in my life. Um, and, and, Please, as you if you listen to this, if you decide you want to continue, where's this going to go? You will not get beaten over the head with the Bible. Okay. And by the way, that's a horrible way to try to convert people to what you believe, beating them over the head nearly with anything. Okay. So let's talk about spirituality, which is a component of holistic wellness. If you don't know what holistic wellness is, Google it, look it up. It's a thing. All right. Regardless of how you think that we're made, It just so happens about every medical professional in the history of ever believes that there is a component in our brain where we decide that it really matters to us for us knowing where we think we come from, right? So I don't care if you're agnostic and atheist, you name it, your spirituality is a component of who you are and it affects your other parts of fitness. So now this is science. Right. And I'm a science guy because data drives me getting on target. And that's how we take down targets and get better. So, so now I really care about this component if I'm going to work with anybody. If I'm work with the corporate, I'm going to care about it. So what so what does this spiritual component, if we do it right, what does it look like? Well, it looks like three things. It looks like you live a longer life because you're healthier, because you're happier. So I'm happy, I'm healthy, I live longer. Put them, I mean, just look, it goes up, it goes down. So that's why I care about folks' spirituality. So if I'm going to help somebody in transition, and that's the number one component to living longer, healthier, and being happy, then I don't help someone in transition by getting them a job, by necessarily helping them do what they think that they want to do. It's first unpacking why they want to do what they want to do right and i don't do that from you know like we're not we're not reading bible verses i'm not beating them over the head 
But psychologically, as I'm speaking with somebody, finding out why they joined the military, I can almost predict what they want to do when they get out. Right. What and that why did you join goes back to what was their upbringing? What was their family structure like? What was their income level? What do they know about money? What what have their previous relationships been like? I don't care about their military career and what they think they want to do right. yet. I'll listen to it. Right. Sure. But you start figuring out those things and who somebody is and why they're why why where they're hardwired, how they're hardwired, all of a sudden that the recommendation suggestions and how you can relate to them are way different. I, I get some rangers and I know from listening to their story that they will respond very well to me saying, do this next. You're stupid. If you don't, I say that people write it down. I actually have more people actually do it. <laughs> we're very good at following orders. Like we're in orders following business, but there's some people depending on their backgrounds, like you really want to look at these two options and you tell me which one you think's best. Right. But different personalities, different, different, different kind of ways. So the spirituality matters because it's science and it's because it's health. And if we all cared, we would be careful about removing spirituality because of concern of religion, because we would care about the individual. Now, what I do in transition, I help people find hope and purpose. I started volunteering with an organization while on active duty um, called Gallant Few, because um, I believed in their mission and, and hope and purpose really resonated with me. Um, because hope, a job and employment, I always thought, was a part of your story, not your story. When I went to Clemson, um, I actually picked up a human resources degree. And I never thought I'd use it, to be honest with you. I was kind of looking away to become an officer. It was a great way to do it. Didn't want to go to OCS down here at Fort Benning. It was it was a good deal. It was a really great deal. Um, but now I, now I use that degree every day. But what I realized is we listen to a whole lot of what the business world tells us. And it's starting to affect our, our personal life. So I do believe in purposeful employment. Like it is great when you can align what you are, you think you're born to do with what makes money. But what we've forgotten in this country is happiness should be at your home. Once again, history of the world leads to health, happiness, longevity. It's a thing. And people now are so happy at work, they're not happy at home. Well, who, 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 who does that work out for? Does that work out for me or does that work out for business? Right. Be very careful when business tells you that they want you to have purposeful employment. Purposeful employment now doesn't look like being a plumber and providing for everyone in your community and supporting yourself with your own job. Purposeful employment looks, for, looks like working for a corporation. I got no problem with corporations. I'm just saying, you need to, I have the opportunity to speak with people and kind of re-blue them to figure out, okay, that's the job you said you wanted, but do you want to get married someday? Yes. Okay. Well, want to be a finance, financial, you know, acquisitions person working in New York City. Do you want, do you want to meet your wife in New York City? I have nothing wrong with New York City. Not, right. Not, nothing, right? <laughs> but you're from small town, Kansas. Did, you also told me that you could see yourself retiring and living in Kansas, being close to your family, but you have this career path and these things that might be incongruent. No one talks to no one, you know, no one right. questions that that's, and honestly, that's not a leader's job in the military. Right. Department's defense job is to fight and win the nation's wars. Right. I know the and army's even, mission statement says to fight and win 
the nation's wars. I would assume right. the Department of Defense is similar, maybe a little more wordy. But the fact that the Department of Defense does so much for transition, we're actually blessed. Not many, not many companies do that, right? I actually think we have a blessing, but we have to unpack why would somebody join, leave home, leave their friends, leave their support structure. Those are pretty important things to find out. And then that helps kind of kind of shape. So I've been blessed to be doing this for about eight years now, um, all through all through Gallant Few. Um, I started my own own business, and it is called Ranger for Life. And what I do there is I take these lessons learned to corporate America. You know, if and all the money that I raise, like I'm a horrible businessman. Where does it go? It goes back into the Ranger Outreach Center. It goes back in the nonprofit. I just decided that taxpayers paid my salary for a long time. Um, and I work for a nonprofit, I want to be able to feel kind of that pain of what it's like to own my own business. Been the most humbling thing I've done easily. Yeah, I can Ranger school's hard. Owning a business until you get to a certain level, which I'm not at, can be very humbling. And yeah. it makes me appreciate those folks who do it very well, mm. to, be, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And we wonder why we do admire those people. Uh, you know, so you you mentioned a couple things with with your clients. You talk about uh, the holistic approach. You're asking probing questions that no one ever asked me, and I never asked myself. Actually, I was more concerned, and I'll I'll use the military analogy with the 50 meter target. I needed to take care. I just had to get I had to get to work in the morning. I had to get to work to provide for the family. Um, but you're looking you're looking actually beyond that, which is really admirable. How admirable? How how do you obtain clients? What's the inboarding for that? Well, well, one, when we decided in 2017 to stay here in Columbus, Georgia, I'm a ranger. Most of the folks that I see that I have the scale and scope to serve well are rangers. Okay. And since the passion was rangers, I also with, with a team and with some great advisors, realized I can't do every Ranger well. So I work with a gentleman, Command Sergeant Major, retired Michael Hall, um, who is the honorary uh, Sergeant Major of the 75th Ranger Regiment. He runs an organization called Three Rangers Foundation. He had, We have counselors at every battalion because it's not about the name and the organization. Okay, right? it, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's about the people. Um, so I take care of folks here. So how do you get people? I will tell you this business principle that I have learned that that's, that is pretty obvious. It's all word of mouth. If you have people coming into your store, your company, and they don't come back or they're not referring friends, that is all you need to know about how you're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we have really taken, we do some group training. We do some cohort things, but our pacing item is the individual. And we have not, if we have a ranger, this is for the past two years, these statistics, if we have a ranger come six months prior to transition, we have a hundred percent job placement rate or acceptance into a uh, program field of study. So what that means is if they want to go to Harvard, not everybody gets into Harvard, but they get into a school in that field of study that, 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 that they were looking to. And, and it's not because we're good. I've, I've got educated rangers with security clearances. Who've done pretty well in their career, right? But they still need it. They they still need that team. So what we look at, Kevin, is why why does this work? Um, you know, how do we look at it? You'd mentioned before, and I do appreciate. You know, no one really asked me those questions. 
Okay. So when I came in basic training here at Fort Benning, I was told, and, and they, they'll tell the infantry for every one of you, there are 11 people behind you. So we've got a chart that we use that shows the Ranger and everybody that makes them successful. And we're blessed as a special operations unit, nutritionists, cognitive performance coaches, human performance coaches. It, it's not just your team leader. It's just right. not the, the doc, right. which are still things, not just the supply clerk, but you start putting all these people around and I say, okay, now here's you as a civilian, the day after you're out of the army, show me who that team is. Like who's your, who's your personnel guy? <laughs> Where? You know what I tell them? I said, I have an yeah. HR degree. I'm your personnel guy. <laughs> okay. Who's your team leader? Mike Hall and the mentors from three Rangers foundation. Those are your team leaders. Who are your docs? Well, guess what? We're going to get you a veteran service officer who's going to support your first, your initial VA disability claim before you get out using a program called uh, Benefits Delivered at Discharge. And there you go. And so, and so we start building the team. We said, this takes you to want to do that. This is That's how it's different. We gave it to you. You had to succeed for the team. Now you have to build your team, but we have to show them who they are. Right. And, right then, sure. and, then, and then we've got partners who do that. That sounds great, Tony. I want to I want to almost wrap this up uh, and I want to give all that time to you uh, about what if you had a single message, what would it be? But before we do that, uh, tell us about your family, if you don't mind. I mean, uh, oh, I'd love to tell you about my family. I mean, talk about out kicking your coverage. Um, <laughs> so my my wife, I met her. Um, at Clemson University, that was one of the reasons to go to grad school to nice Southern school. I found a found a Southern belle. Um, she has a chink in her armor. She did go to Florida State for a graduate degree. Um, so, you know, in the 90s, that would have been difficult for me as of late. Pretty easy. Uh, uh, I, I find I'm much more gracious when we win. Don't know why that happens. We have two beautiful kids, um, Luke and Caroline. Luke is 12, trying to figure out this tackle football thing. Caroline is eight going on 18 don't know how that's happening but uh she she's uh she's wonderful and then we're blessed to have um nicole's parents here in in columbus oh, georgia great. and i've got family in the great state of of ohio um but like i said when i made that transition decision my wife and i made that together yeah, and yeah. it wasn't about maximizing income and where do all my military experiences lead it's like when we're done working at the end of the day where do we want to be? So. Right. right. That's well said. Uh, uh, tell us, Tony, uh, wrap it up for us. What do what do we need to know about Rangers for Life and and what you do? What what parting message do you have? OK, so everything that we do is meant to be copied and used. Right. Copy, paste. If it, you think it works and put your logo on it. Don't care. All right. Take a look at gallantfew.org backslash the rock and you will see how we develop our functional fitness programs All right take a look at the things that are offered you want to meet a partner get me on linkedin okay if you call my phone you have probably a one in a hundred chance of getting a call back in a reasonable period of time but please if you got my phone number send a text message or go to linkedin and i'll get back in touch with you if you think we're doing something right i'll tell you how we did it and i want to share it with you because you you the listener will affect more people than I can. 
That's awesome, Tony. Thank you. I I really want to have you back on on uh, on Vets Talk. I I have an idea to do uh, a segment called Rant and Rave, where we talk about elements of the day. I think you bring uh, a fresh, uh, sincere look to all of this, and I can't thank you enough for being part of Vets Talk today. Gavin, thanks for what you're doing, giving veterans a voice. There is therapy in telling your story, and that's what you're providing, my friend. Thanks. Mm-hmm.